and welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. I'm your host, Doug Hill, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Tony Lucci, a recently retired educator and union leader in the Metro Detroit area. Tony describes himself as a fan of the Detroit Tigers, the Detroit Lions, and in a first for us here at Conversations, the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. We'll certainly need to dig into that a little bit. Uh, in the meantime, Tony, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. Well, Doug, welcome for having me, or thank you for having me. I shouldn't say welcome, because you're welcoming me, so I should just say thank you for the welcome. Well, uh, right back at you, my friend. Um, it's it's good to, good to catch up. I'm looking forward to this a lot. Uh, we have not really talked a lot about sports through our decade or so as as colleagues in, in the education world, but um, my, my, I guess my initial curiosity is your earliest recollection of being a sports fan. Do you have anything that stands out? Yes. Well, see, my father was from Europe. So when he moved to the United States, um, he brought only one really sports that he liked, which was, uh, you know, football, uh, the soccer version of it. Foosball. So, uh, and, you know, back in the 60s, that wasn't really big. Um, so my earliest recollection, segueing into it, is not going to a game or watching a game on television or anything like that. It's when I spent a week uh, at my mother's younger sister's house with my uncle, Bill, and they used to be avid um Tiger fans, and they would listen to the radio and listen to the Tiger game on the radio. And that that's when I became a fan because, you know, the excitement of a good broadcaster was was what really lured me in to the drama that was taking place down in Detroit and watching my aunts and my uncle Bill get really excited. And and I, I think I was probably, I don't know, seven years old, maybe eight at the latest. Uh, I'd never played little league, never did any of those things. So it was, uh, that was like the awakening for me because both of my parents were very, uh, very much not into sports at all. So uh, it was kind of a discovery. Even my friends did things and I didn't do them like little league and all of that fun stuff. Now, did that lead you to little league or, or some activities? Did you eventually get involved or were you primarily still a, a spectator or a fan? Uh, I tried. I think I was in fourth grade. I tried to play in a summer league basketball, but having never played basketball before and just coming in there with the kids already having the experience, I didn't do well. I was not, I, I don't think I was ever really very athletic uh, until I got probably into my mid teens. And then I started not at school as much, but you know, throwing the football around, uh, you know, playing catch, uh, uh, those usual things I started to pick up on, you know, with my friends as something to do. Playing Frisbee became something really big in the 70s, you know. So <laughs> that's pretty much my story. I don't consider myself extremely athletic by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I do appreciate those that are gifted and, I, and you know, that, that have work diligently to become uh, proficient at the sport of their choosing. Uh, I admire those that, that have become, uh, well, if you look at Jordan, billionaires for the sake of their, uh, their sport skill. And I think that's something that's very admirable. It's a venue 
uh, to, to make it out of uh, poverty and into, uh, you know, better lifestyle. So I admire that. I myself have never been really much of a sports person by actually participating, um, but I love being a spectator. Okay. You referenced your father coming from Europe um, back in, when, when did your dad come to America? Do you recall? Uh, 1953. 53. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you indicated, football was his primary love, I would think, being a European coming here. And did he just basically have to turn off any fandom that he had because there was not a lot of football soccer going on in the States during that era, if I recall correctly? Yeah, there wasn't. Uh, he did. Uh, he would try to explain it to me and, you know, he, he got a soccer ball and, and all those things. And, and uh, I had no idea what this game was, you know, uh, you know, just the idea of not being able to use your hands for any part of the game seemed odd to me. And it was like uh, uh, strange. And then, and then when we, he would have some friends come over and then I, they would you know, want me out in the field with them and, just this ball handling thing that they could do with their feet was just amazing in their heads and their, you know, all of that nonsense. It just seemed very, I, I, I'm not trying to make a sense, but as a young kid, it seemed very, very uh, haphazard and clownish to me. I didn't, I didn't grasp because I had only witnessed footballs and baseballs and basketballs, you know? Yeah. Uh, so were there future uh, visits to Uncle Pat and Uncle Bill's, or did you take away from what you found there and then begin to try to, you know, find games on radio and things of that nature in your home when you got back to your house? Yeah, I actually did. This was the time of the transistor radio. So um, I asked for, a, you know, a portable transistor radio. I remember this. It's, I don't know how old it was. My eight. <clears throat> remember, this is a. I was born in 1960, so this is 1968. So music was happening, and uh, I was really into music too. But I always listened, tried to listen to the Tiger games. Um, it's just it's just such an interesting format to listen to a sporting event on the radio, you know. And I I don't know if I'm one of the last few. I'm sure there grew up doing that, but it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're pointing to yourself. That was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, you know, you got your chips out, you got your drinks out, and you sat there together in the in the living room, family room, whatever it was, and the radio's blaring, and you're just like, you know, getting really excited because they didn't televise all the games back then. It was a rarity to get a game televised. I think they did one a week, maybe. I don't even remember the exact number, uh, but it was very rare to watch a game. And then when I watched a game, I was like, wow. you know, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So you're you're talking about being eight. So this is 1968 in Metro Detroit. I mean, yeah. that's a pretty big to do that year. Do you have uh, some recollections of that 68 season? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah, I, 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 you know, what a great time to start becoming a fan, right? Um, yeah, it was it was a great time. I, I, of course, wanted to go to games uh, as we were, you know, going through the playoffs and all of those things. Um, we didn't go. My first game, I was taken by my aunt Pat, my uncle Bill, and I think it was in 1968, or maybe it was the year after. I'm trying to remember. I, I think it might have been the year after. I didn't make it during the, the, the great championship season, but uh, the year after that, I went. Uh, one of my earliest memories, and then my mother, who who worked for Henry Ford Hospital, uh, got used to get free tickets 
uh, they used to give the hospital staff tickets. And so she took me to some games later on. Like I, I, I have fond memories of going to certain games uh, that were just milestone games. And, uh, you know, like uh, seeing uh, the bird, you know, Fidrich, uh, you know, uh, really, really fun things. You know, I mean, uh, as I recall, I had a great time down there. Do you um, have any, um, I, I guess, recollection of, of that game that, that your Aunt Pat and Uncle Bill took you to from 69? I remember it was against Kansas City. Okay. I do remember that. Uh, and uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was the Royals, and it was pretty cool. I mean, it was a, it was a good game, um, and we won. I do remember we won. You know, that was all those, you know, great players. My goodness. There were so many great players on that team. And uh, just watching them play and the excitement and, and the fandom was very different back then. Well, it was a boy's perspective, right? a child's perspective. But it seemed everybody was there to have a good time. And it didn't matter. You're all fans of the Tigers and you're all rooting for the Tigers. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it was a great time to be down there. And, uh, and if you had that collective spirit. You know, that fan, when you're in a stadium, that collective spirit that you're all willing, trying to will your team to victory and and the energy. I remember being smitten by that. You know, this whole idea of this energy, this, this, uh, this uh, I don't know, this vibration that went through you. And, you know, it just, you know, it came out of you and went into the next person and their energy went back toward you. And it was just this amazing time um, to learn to become a fan. Or, or the emerging fan, I guess. Sure. You know, I, I'm based in Detroit. A lot of the guests that I've had on this show have been through Detroit. But a lot of folks, no matter what their hometown is, have some pretty stark and distinct memories of the first time they walked into a major league stadium. Do you have any of those that, that first time you walked into Tiger Stadium? Yeah, I mean, just walking up to it this huge edifice and, and all of, I don't think I ever saw that many people gathered together in my life at that point, you know, eight, nine years old. Um, I was just, you know, what's that word? Gobs, gobsmacked, right. Or got yeah. whatever. I, I was just like in awe. I remember walking and just looking and looking, not even watching where I'm walking and, uh, you know, just looking at all the people, hearing all the vendors barking, you know, their, their wares outside of, uh, Tiger Stadium. Um, now I, I just remember, and then when you actually walk in and you're in the, you walk up and then you're up in, and you see the field. That's amazing. The green, the grass, you know, uh, pristine. I mean, is the way to describe it. It was just so clean and immaculate, and and uh, it looked so officious. It was fun. I, I do remember it was a lot of fun. Of course, as a child, and I was looking at all the stuff that I could ask someone to buy for me too <laughs> uh, hot dogs oh my goodness the hot dogs yeah i mean it's everything popcorn cracker jacks cracker jacks was big then the singing you know all the things that a child uh the smells the sights the sounds i mean to use those cliches it, it was just an experience that will always stay with me that's why i remember the team and i remember you know i don't remember players that well on the other team you know it was just it was just so much fun and we won which was even better 
I mean, leaving the energy was so positive. You felt like you you accomplished the task with the team almost. You know what I mean? Sure. Because you leave with such good energy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, I know that I referenced in the intro because you you told me to reference it, uh, the Lions as well. So you start off and, and the Tigers are kind of your entree into perhaps the sporting scene. How much yeah. longer did it, do you recall, did it take for you to discover the Detroit Lions and, and other sports? Well, I t- told you my mother worked uh, for Henry Ford Hospital. She used to get free tickets and she got tickets to a couple of Lions games. And I think my first Lions game was, I had to have been like, I don't know, 11, somewhere in there. It was later, much later than the baseball. I really didn't understand football, not understand the concepts, the rules. You know, I figured you had to do something. Uh, And that's when I started to to think, hey, I need to be, you know, having a parent who's born, uh, especially your father, who's born in another country, uh, you come to a point where you think, well, I have to become acclimated more to what's going on with my peers. You know, what's going on in, in this country's sporting events? It, 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 it was actually that kind of uh, distancing yourself from your parents, you know, from my father, because I, I knew he didn't understand nor wanted to understand baseball or football. Hockey, but I knew nothing about hockey. That came much later. That was a confusing game. Remember multiple blue lines and all that? I mean, it was just like, what? I was utterly confused the first time I watched it. I had cousins who played hockey, and they tried to explain it to me, and I was just like, I just didn't understand. I mean, it's, it's a little I mean, foosball with the offside rule. Like, what? What do you mean? You know? So I, there's certain parts of it I remember with the football, I ended up going my, my, I'm trying to remember who, who I went with. I think it was my sister, myself and my, um, my mom and my aunt. I think they took us because my, my aunt didn't have kids until later, I think. And she was younger than my mother. So, uh, I think she had a couple of young ones, but it was fun. I don't remember anything about the game. Uh, to tell you the truth. And then the next time I kind of kind of remember we were in the Silverdome. And I went to some games at the Silverdome. So uh, I saw some amazing games, saw some really heartbreaking games, but I saw some amazing games. I used to go a lot to the Silverdome. I even, you know, remember when the Pistons were playing at the Silverdome? Sure. I ended up, I ended up, I was, I don't even remember the year, but I ended up buying a package of uh seats you know at the silver dome for the because i got taken there by a friend of the families to see uh, a basketball game and uh he had pretty good seats so i was really intrigued by that and then i ended up buying two seats and going you know to a series and that was during the uh the 80s i was in my 20s when i first bought a box and then of course the bad boys run i was really involved with watching that and going to games it was fun um uh, you you referenced seeing the lions at tiger stadium and then yes. seeing the lions in the silver dome yes what what can you you know for anyone who's not been in one of the inflatable domes which is really an interesting experience can can you kind of compare and contrast what those two experiences might have been like to the best of your I- recollection yeah, I remember the Silver Dome being very hazy because people could smoke in the seats. Uh, very, very hazy. Uh, the air did not feel clean. 
uh, it was it felt almost suffocating in there at times. I'm not trying to be over dramatic, but it was in contrast to being outside at Tiger Stadium, you know, and having fresh air blowing in your face, and and the, the odors were very different. Let's put it that way. And I remember the bathroom. Oh my goodness, the bathrooms are just a nightmare. You know, it was like, you know, it felt like cattle lining, queuing up to be slaughtered. That's a little dramatic. I mean, it was, it was, it was, a, I didn't enjoy it as much. This was that way. Understood. And then, um, did you, does your love for the Pistons and interest in them, does that move with them to the palace? I, probably not with the season ticket necessarily, but are you still following the Pistons, um, as they, you know, move into the house that, that Bill Davidson built? I actually did. I actually bought season tickets for the first two years. Uh, that they were there. I mean, it was a championship time, so it was it was well worth it to me. And uh, you know, I didn't buy season. They had packages. You could buy so many games or something yeah. like that. I didn't buy every single game. For one, I couldn't afford it. For two, I couldn't. I was a young man. I didn't have time for all that kind of stuff. <laughs> to be honest, you know, I was going to school and all. I couldn't afford it. Really, it was a huge investment. It was like I don't know, four hundred dollars or something like that. It was a crazy amount of money back in, in that time for me. And what um, what kind of takeaways do you have, or, or remembrances do you have of those those championship seasons of the Pistons? Oh my gosh! Well, the Boston series, you know, with the Celtics, and and the, just uh, the physicality of the game, and the Pistons were were uh, such a dominant team, and they were taking on, you know, the the legacy team, you know, the Larry Bird, you know. Kevin McHale legacy team. It was, it was amazing battles. I mean, it was, see those, you know, let's be honest. Uh, basketball at that time was very close to wrestling. You know, there was a lot of physicality, a lot of elbows flying, a lot of scrambling on the floor, uh, but just the athleticism and the energy and, and just the power of the game. I mean, um, watching a, uh, Dennis Rodman, John Sally, and uh, all of these uh, these players, and, and, and just amazing. And Bill Ambeer, the large uh, Caucasian fella. You know, I mean, it was like that guy could throw a three down. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, but so could Bird. Bird really could too. Um, and then the emergence of uh, of uh, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. You know. Those were some amazing. I was at some amazing games. I mean, I saw some things. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I, like I saw, um, um, you know, the fights that took place between the Celtics and the Pistons. And I remember I was at a Chicago game against Detroit, and I forgot the guy's name. He was a backup center. I wish I could remember his name. Uh, but anyway, he stole the ball from Michael Jordan, and then <laughs> tried to go down the other side and get a dunk and Michael Jordan of course is following him and blocks him you know and the guy afterwards I remember the news report he says the very least he could have done is let me get get the way up you know <laughs> that one you know that was an, uh, a fluke but just just wild games wild games what was the um, difference like for you as someone who enjoyed the Pistons watching them in the Silverdome and then going to the Palace more of a traditional arena um, certainly the, the, the Silverdome had its own unique quirks in terms of a, of a venue for basketball, but what was that experience like in putting aside the, 
the caliber of the team, perhaps that you were watching, just the overall experience as a spectator, what was the differences? Well, you know, I don't want to crash the Silverdome, but the Silverdome was like uh, for basketball was an afterthought. They had a giant blue, I'll never forget, like a giant blue curtain that they put around so you couldn't see the empty half or the empty two-thirds of the uh, stadium. And they had this artificial ginormous blue curtain that went around to create an artificial, you know, box within a box, if you will. And that's where the games were held. And um, it was still still very poorly ventilated ventilated um people you know smoked and it was just it was not as um pristine as the palace was the palace was you knew you were in some an upgrade there <laughs> you went there the first time it was just like you know you're, you're, you're once again shocked um at, at 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 that building i mean leaving the silver dome the silver dome had silver dome had its time it was a function of the time but it really wasn't a great for either football or for uh, basketball. Yeah. I recall, boy, I can't remember, it would have been probably the mid to late 1980s. They were playing in the Silverdome. Yeah. Mar- Marathon Oil was giving away a pair of tickets with every four gallons of gas you bought or something crazy like that. This and is for the with, Pistons. This is for the Pistons when they're trying yeah. to break the record. Yeah, the most you know people there, and I recall that the seats that we ended up in were on the upper level, so the third level of the Silver Dome, on the other side of the curtain, looking over the 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 you know the wire that's holding that curtain up, down to see the Pistons and the Celtics play. Charles Barkley was roughly the size of a of a you know and Moses Malone were the size of ants. It was yeah, it was, it was quite comical, but it was you were part of a crowd of what. 67,000 or whatever they packed in there for that game. It was ridiculous, but you're right. It was not necessarily a, a fan friendly venue for anyone to watch a, a, an event like that, which is why I have so many beefs and complaints with the NCAA playing their national championship games for the men, at least in these massive domes, you know, no matter how much nicer they may be than what the silver dome was, to go mm-hmm. and, and play in these, you know, 60,000 seat venues. I remember when the NCAA championships were at, in the final four were at Ford field. I went, had tickets to that. And it was ludicrous. Some of the angles that you would have to try to watch the, the event, you were basically watching the jumbo drums. Yeah. I mean, basketball is an intimate game. I mean, if you, if, if you put basketball next to football, football is on a much larger field and the court is much, smaller so you, your movement in football can be dynamic you can follow along even when you're in with eighty thousand people but with with basketball you miss so much like uh it, it's got to be intimate it steals the the you know it, it's just the ball handling just the passes uh, you miss so much in basketball when you're in a larger venue and you're far away from the action um so but it's a money-driven industry right it is. Well, that's how people like Michael Jordan can become billionaires. Yeah, good in, for him. In small part. Now, um, now we referenced at the top the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. I, I figure, feel now is as good a time as any to figure out. Yeah, I'm, why, I'm questioning why this... your tone. Your tone seems to be almost, you know, mocking me for liking no, no. the South Carolina Gamecocks. 
No, I, I don't. Did you go? Did you attend the University of South Carolina? Did you at one of time? Of course. Live? How else would I? I didn't even know Columbia, South Carolina existed until I went to <laughs> grad school down there. So, uh, and then, of course, William Bryce Stadium is an outdoor, classic outdoor football stadium. And it's beautiful. I never went to uh, uh, either state or uh, or Michigan's football games ever. I still have never been to either of those games. Um, but um, even with my son going to Michigan State, I had to convince him to go to a game. He didn't want to. You know, my son is not uh, as passionate <laughs> about sports as I am, which is kind of ironic considering my upbringing and his. But um, – he did see his dad yell at the TV on Sundays so a lot, being a Lions fan. Yeah, I was. Uh, I went down there, and you know, I wanted to embrace the whole big college experience, and so of course, I, I uh, always applied for home game tickets and got quite a few of them. Um, you know, uh, when I was down there in the uh, late '80s, uh, South Carolina was not a very good football program. Um, they uh, were better at, I think at that time, they were better in men's basketball. So I did go to the basketball games. And now they're a juggernaut in women's basketball. I mean, University yeah. of South Carolina, the Gamecocks in women's basketball is insanely good. Um, and uh, But their, boy, their, their male basketball and their, their, their football has been, they're very frustrating. They're kind of lion-esque. They, they went through the designer coaches phase, you know, with Lou Holtz. And uh, they brought all these guys, Spurrier, Spurrier all these yeah. uh, all these cats who are on the end of their uh, their uh, their journey as, as head coaches in college football and tried to either they were doing it for the money or resurrecting their career. I don't know. But South Carolina has always had difficulty. We've had great players. I mean, we've had some really, really good players come out of University of South Carolina, um, but uh, we, we've just never been able to, we've never had a super really noteworthy um, quarterback. And that's, I think, part of the problem. They're, they're the backbone of any college team quarterback. So what is that rivalry like uh, with Clemson? Oh, intense. That's intense. I never went to Clemson. Uh, I only went to – because we rotated the game every year, and I was down there for two years. So uh, I went – the very first year I was there, I went to the Clemson game. It's the last game of the year, too, for both the school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's intense. I mean, the the that's where I really got into, um, you know, the whole atmosphere, the college atmosphere, tailgating and and just the festivities of it all and, and – uh, and you would get Clemson fans, you know, in, in the arena too. And it was just, it was, it was fun. A lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed uh, that experience being on a big campus. Like that's why I was trying to convince my son to go to the games, do things, you know, you got, you're here for four years. You need to, you know, when he was at Michigan state and uh, he went to one basketball game and he went to one football game. My great dismay. That was all to mollify dad, right? Yeah, yeah. I said you got to do one. You got experience. At least, at least you could say I, I did one. You know, I was at a. You know, I saw Izzo coaching. Yeah, <laughs> whatever it may be. Um. So where did you do your undergrad, Tony? Oakland University, a Grizzly. Probably not a Grizzly at that time. 
uh, probably a pioneer. Pioneers. I'm thinking. Yeah, pioneers. Pioneer. Yeah, you're right. Pioneers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you didn't really have become the... Grizzlies. Do you know that? Does anybody know that? Uh, 15, 16 years ago, I think. This point. Okay. Maybe even 20, yeah. maybe even 20 at this point. I, I, I yeah. really don't know. Yeah, I got a friend who's really into Grizzly basketball, Oakland University. He goes to the games. Uh, I haven't been to a game yet. I think he invited me once. I, I, I had some conflict. I couldn't go. I would be interested in seeing that, too. I mean, they made the – I remember the year. Remember the year they made the uh, the big dance? Yeah. That was pretty cool, you know. Um, and they actually – didn't they win a game or two? I'm trying to remember. They, I think they won the opener and then advanced to that, you know, the second round. They were, I think, in the uh, in the first four is what they call yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They won a game and then moved on to play a number one seed and – did not have the uh, Cinderella-esque ending that Greg Campy probably would have liked, but they did play. They did win a game in the tournament, and they got to play a second game, which is, uh, you know, for those yeah. smaller schools, it's a big deal. Um, now, I did go to a Titan uh, football uh, basketball game. Okay. That was oh, a long time ago. It was when they were good, you know. I'm, I'm trying to think. In the 80s, mid-80s, somewhere in there, was that when they were good? Well, they were really good in the seventies when Dick Vitale was there, and then they had yeah, a bit, it was of, a, bit of a resurgence um, in the, I guess maybe the mid eighties, late eighties. Yeah, I went to one game. I had a friend that went down to school down there and invited me to a game, and I went to the game, and that was fun too. That's a great venue as well. That's a nice old barn, um, and has you know seen a lot of history there for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's like Olympia. I actually saw my first hockey game at Olympia. Oh, well, do didn't know tell. what the hell I was watching. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew nothing. But I went and had fun. Because <clears throat> um, hockey fans are unique unto themselves. Well, I mean, the, the devout hockey fans are. I mean, you can be a, you know, a, a casual hockey fan and probably not be quite as unique. Yeah, yeah. So, so what takes you to, to Columbia, South Carolina from, you know, Auburn Hills slash Rochester Hills, Michigan. How do you end up in Columbia, oh, I, I applied for a lot of different graduate programs and they were the ones that offered me money. Okay. So I could go to school for free and they would, I would teach graduate uh, undergrad classes as a grad assistant and uh, they would pay me a stipend, a monthly stipend. So a lot of ramen noodles uh, was on the menu, a lot of, a lot of eggs, um, you know, uh, it was it was a tough time, but it was fun. I, I listen. I had the most fun I think I ever had down in South Carolina because those, those Southerners they know how to uh, throw down. Let's put it that way. As far okay. as a party, uh, we had a good time. You know, and then the beautiful thing about living uh, or going to school down there, in particular for me, was this this concept of day trips. Everything was so close. Atlanta was four hours away, a little over four hours away. Um, Myrtle Beach was, you know, I think three hours away. We didn't go to Hilton Head. We couldn't afford it. But you, you could go to Nashville. You could go. You could do these weekend trips that were just so much fun. That's how I saw a lot of, of cities, different towns towns down there. Yeah, it was kind of funny. The first year I was down there in 1987, we had a freak snowstorm down there, and they had two inches of snow. And I had a North Carolinian roommate, South Carolinian roommate. You would have thought it was the end of the world. You know, I, I went to the Piggly Wiggly 
that day because they said you got we, we got to go to the Piggly Wiggly, you know, and get some provisions. We don't know how long because they shut the university down for a week, two in, two inches of snow. <laughs> they don't have snowplow equipment. They don't have salt. Yeah. Equipment, nothing. And so I'm driving my car, and I got my my southern roommates with me. <laughs> and they said, "Slow down! You're crazy! You're driving too fast! You're going to crash us!" I go, "I'm from Detroit. Two inches is nothing. You're fine." <laughs> but the Piggly Wiggly. You could not find a loaf of bread. You couldn't find anything. I mean, the people had, were acting like it was the end of the world. It was wild. Uh, I don't know what put me on that tangent, but nonetheless, it's part of the South Carolina journey. <laughs> it's 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 um, terrific. And if I'm not mistaken, you have lived in other parts of the nation as well. Did you gravitate to any of the sports in those other parts of the country that you lived in, or was it? Um, were you pretty much um, a sports hermit at that time? Um, when I was in D.C., I was too poor to go to any games. It was really hard to get a football ticket. I mean, the Redskins were the team. Yeah. Um, I didn't go see the Wizards. I, no, I didn't see anything when I was there. I was only there for a year or so okay. uh, for a part of my internship. And then when I was in California – uh, and I lived in LA. I did go see the Dodgers. Uh, I did want to go see the Lakers, but once again, tickets were impossible. I mean, the Lakers at that time, you know, the Lakers, impossible to get tickets. Uh, but the Dodgers were, you know, an easy, an easy team to go see. And at that time, when I was there, there was no LA football team. They had already, you know, yeah. left LA. Now I know that we started this. Um, conversation with you talking about listening to baseball on the radio. If you're in LA for any amount of time, do you have the opportunity then to tune in to any Vin Scully or, or any of that? I know he did both TV and radio, I think for the Dodgers. Did you follow the Dodgers at all? Or were you just, you would just go to a game on occasion and, and that was the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> That was, that was that was a bad question on my part. I I, I realized that. I, no, I, I was being I was being silly. I I, I didn't listen to the radio. Uh, they weren't a good team. They weren't winning. Um, and so I the enthusiasm wasn't there. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, especially when you're moving from city to city, it, it's uh, it's hard to get. Uh, to get caught up with fandom with a team, especially if they're not, not doing well, if they're doing well, it's much easier to become a fan and to join that wave. Uh, but if they're not doing well and you don't know the players very well at all, um, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that uh, kind of uh, fizzles away. I mean, your enthusiasm for sports, and then you're, you're focusing at other things. I mean, it was California. There's a lot to do, a lot to see. few distractions. <laughs> yeah. A lot of distractions. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you have any um, any memory of what that Dodger Stadium experience was like? Oh, it was a beautiful state. It was beautiful. It was huge. Just, just you know how uh, Tiger Stadium was like. You, you, it was like over top of you, and you were crawling into it. Yeah, Dodger Stadium. Once you got in there, it just like opens up, expansive, and and it doesn't feel as uh, as uh, confining as uh, Tiger Stadium did but uh i liked it i i did enjoy it we went a couple times and seats were pretty inexpensive and you know um but i i i do like i do like when i travel to go see 
different games. I think uh, with the NEA, I went saw the San Diego Padres. Uh, I saw when I was at, with NEA in, in Washington, I saw the uh, um, the Washington, um, oh my gosh, Nationals. The Washington Nationals, thank you. So, and I've seen uh, a couple other teams, Atlanta, saw the Braves, um, Florida, I did see uh, the, the Buccaneers. I don't remember when that was. That was, you know, a while back. So I've, I've had some experience going to other stadiums. I do have some friends that have actually traveled and gone yeah. to every single um, baseball ballpark that's out And uh, go ahead. I was going to say, it, it begs a great question. I mean, you are now um... – retired and, and as we noted off the air you're now on a fixed income so maybe it's a return to the ramen for you i'm not sure but um with that with with retirement comes a little more freedom to be able to move about the uh the nation as it were do you have any sports centric aspirations things that you would still like to see or experience or do um now that you maybe yeah. have a little more time yeah there's a couple places alex i, I want to go see arrowhead stadium Okay. It's just, I don't know why I'm not a fan necessarily. I just, the pictures I've seen of it look like the perfect place to go watch a football game. There's just something about it. It's just, it, once again, it's got that open concept. It's like the open bowl, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's vast and it's just, the energy seems really cool, <laughs> you know, um, when I saw the Atlanta Braves, I I just it got old real quick. The tomahawk, yeah, uh, something. And I don't I don't know if that would get old over at Arrowhead with, with for me as well. Um, but there's a couple places I'd like to, you know. I seen I was in New York, went to Yankee Stadium. Uh, I've seen I've been to a lot of them, uh, but there are a lot more that I want to see. Yeah, yeah. I primarily I'd like to do football more than baseball. I don't know why. That was my next question was, I mean, if, if, you know, you only had one event to go and see, is it going to be a baseball game or is it going to be a football game? And I think you just answered that. It would probably be a football game. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I always loved football. Uh, football is my, if I had to pick one sport, uh, their face slapping would probably be, uh, would probably be, be, be football because I think football to me is it epitomizes to me what very let's put it this way very rarely can one individual on a football team actually take over a game I mean I, I know you could say a quarterbacks but he's relying on his receivers to catch that ball he's relying on his running backs to to, to be able to break through with the ball Basketball, you can have somebody who can take over a game. Baseball, you can have somebody who can take over a game. A pitcher can take over a game. And it's, it's uh, you know, with no hitters and things of that nature. Uh, or a, a guy who's hitting and is, you know, they're intentionally walking because this guy is a phenom. But football, that is the epitome in my mind of what uh, a um, true – um, team sport looks like. I don't know. Maybe it's my prejudice, but I, I, it's really my bias. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 
I really think football has still has the remnants of the superstar is great to have, but the superstar doesn't make or break your team. The team that will decide the success of uh, of that. Uh, of Sounds like a, you're, you're teeing up an old Bo Schembechler quote here. The team, the team, the team, right? And yeah. He said that, yeah. Um, well, he didn't like stars. No, Bo didn't like stars. He liked he he you know he was he was very team oriented, and I think it's, it's you know I think part of the problem too is is we've turned our sports, our professional sports in particular, in such a lucrative opportunity for young athletes that uh, we get away from team, 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 and that's why it's very refreshing for somebody like you know Campbell and Detroit Lions right now. What's so refreshing about him is he's he 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 doesn't shy away from the fact that this is a team sport. We're gonna if you're not gonna be with us, you need to leave. But we're gonna work as a team, and that's very refreshing to me. Beyond his you know kneecap biting and and his uh, his uh, his charisma, right? His his energy. It's the fact that I like his philosophy about the game. Um, look what he did with the off season. You know him he and Holmes, the, the general manager. Right, this is home, right? Yeah, uh, I, I really thought their moves in the offseason, releasing players. And he thought they would. You, you could have asked me at the end of the season, would they get rid of Jamal Williams? And I was shocked that they did. They just let him walk. And and then I thought about it. I thought, well, this is to show. Yeah, he had a great year. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had an amazing record-setting year but he was expecting to get paid as an individual for that year. The fact that he ha- was running behind one of the best offensive lines in uh, professional football, uh, it didn't become part of the equation. It became his statistics, his touchdowns. Like, what do you have, 11 touchdowns over almost 1,100 yards of rushing or whatever the numbers are. I'm making them up. But I think that's that's kind of what I like about the Lions they're, they're so refreshing. They're so they're, they they cut against the grain of what the norm is right now in the industry, and that is to return back to the concept that football is a team sport. Can't succeed without a good team. Well, you you went there. You you decided to talk about the uh, 2023 Detroit Lions. Um, as, as we chat today, we are you know about a month away from the opening of training camp. Yes. Where are you? Where are you at on this 2023 Detroit Lions team? Are you? Uh, do you believe that they will win the NFC North? And are they you know postseason bound? Um, are, have you drunk all of the Honolulu Blue Kool Aid that you can uh, consume to this point? I can't even find it on on the grocery store shelves anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I am sold on the team. I think I think they are a key. They do have one or two positions that are questionable you know, that they need some more help with. But I, I I do think this team is going to be a vast improvement from last year's team. I think they're going to pick up where they left off. I don't think that they can win the opener, uh, but I think that they can go and, and make a showing, and that's what's important is. You know, a team going out there and not and that's what they did last year. They never gave up. You know, they, they kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And to me, that's that as a fan, that ignites me. 
that that uh, that energizes me to be a fan and to remain a loyal fan. So to answer your question, yes, they will win the NFC North. Uh, they will go in the postseason. Now, how far they go is dependent on so many factors. But if we just look at the on paper, I think they'll win a game or two. And maybe they'll end up in the NFC Championship game. I wouldn't be totally shocked. But I think the, let's be honest, the Eagles are a darn good team. They're a really good team. And that is sold on some of the other teams. I don't know why Dallas gets you know, all this praise all the time. I, they have, show me, prove it. They've never proved proven it since their great years, you know, with Aikman and that group. So I do, do think there. What do you think? Well, I um, I am more optimistic about this Lions team than I have been of any recent vintage. Um, I will no doubt get sucked into that opener on Thursday night, even though I'll have to work the next day. Um, oh, I won't. Um, yeah, I know you won't. <laughs> I, uh, which is probably why you're going to go out there and see Arrowhead Stadium and spend whatever you have to spend to enjoy some barbecue and a nice weekend in Kansas City. Oh, gosh, that'd be fun. Yeah. But I mean, I'll, I'll probably tune in for the first half. Uh, I go to bed and, and wake up in the morning to find out how it went. But I, I think that they have as good a shot as any other team in that NFC North. And if they win the NFC North, they'll host a playoff game. And, and I like their chances hosting a playoff game at Ford Field for the first time in, what, since 1994, right, was the last time they hosted a playoff game. So um, I think it was at the end of the 93 season. No, 92-93. So January of 93, they hosted the Cowboys and beat them in the Silverdome. That's my claim yeah. to fame is I was there. I was at that last playoff win. Oh, my goodness. Good for you, buddy. Yeah, I was at the uh, Aaron Rodgers uh officials uh let's beat the lions in in uh with no time on the clock let's oh, give the hail mary chances to yeah. throw the hail mary yeah i was at that game and um how deflating was that i have no i thought we had won i really did it was very deflating and then it was really it was kind of funny because you know we have green bay fans uh but they were coming out of uh out of ford field and they were cheering and taunting and then all of a sudden they looked around and they were surrounded by hallelujah silver and they got quiet real quick i mean because that was a that was a tough game to lose uh it meant something too it it, it really i don't know i don't know it's kind of like that buccaneers game i don't know i'm trying to remember the year now in the 80s, early 80s, where the they were going to be in the playoffs if they could beat the Buccaneers at home, and they lost to the Buccaneers. And uh, I don't know if you remember, the Lions used to train at Oakland University. Yeah. They used to have their summer, whatever, whatever camp they had. Wayne Fonts and his uh, golf cart scooting along. Uh, but I got to meet some Lions players because, you know, I was on campus. And uh, I remember I met – I am trying to. I know it was William Gay, and I'm trying to remember the other guy's name now, but I can't remember it for the life of me. And I just said – and it was the year after. And I said, what happened in that last game? And it was like the stupidest thing to ask a huge man, first off, who who played the game and lost and had, you know, had something that uh, – sorry about that. 
had something at stake here. And he just looked at me and he shook his head kind of doggedly. And then he looked up and he said, you know, from Pee Wee football on up, they train you. Don't ever let anybody get behind you. And we let somebody get behind us. And that's, I think it was an 80-yard pass play or something that they lost. And that was the playoff hopes at that time, you know. This was the uh, another one bites the dust, you know, that whole kind of. Uh, where they were winning so many games and Lomas Brown was on that team. It was a great team too. I mean, we didn't have a great quarterback, but it was a great team. Yeah, and that would have been the creamsicle Buccaneer uniforms when, when they were yes. not necessarily yes. as uh, talented as they would be later on. Yeah. 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 Okay. So will you take in any Lions games this year in person? Will you, will you attend any? If I can get tickets, yeah, I'll go. I think you know I got to find some some folks that want to go and and make a make a trip out of it. But yeah, it's it's you know it's it's an undertaking going to a game these days, right? It's you know it's very expensive. Number one, number two, uh, it's it makes for a long day, <laughs> especially the way I I, I like to attend the games, you know. But so yeah, you're saying, you're... how are you? Are you planning going to some games? I have um, never seen a Lions game in Ford Field. So Good I, God, man! I, I see no reason to start now. So I can see many reasons to start now. <laughs> yeah. I think the the best place to watch NFL is on on your sofa or Lazy Boy in front of the big That's screen so TV. True now. Yeah. Where you have a refrigerator nearby, you have um, a functional bathroom nearby. Yeah. Um, and you can, if you needed to just get up and leave for a while, you can do that without having to still be aware of what's going on in the field. Because sometimes, as you know, Tony, with the Lions, frustration can get the best of you. And it's best to just walk away and turn things off. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that's true. The last game I went to was a, uh, a Bears game. And we were in the end zone because we got tickets. And I think we bought them off online or something. And there was... Uh, I was there with my my son and my daughter, and they, they took me there for my uh, birthday or something. And uh, we ended up going to the game, and a huge fight broke out in front of, in front of us. And I was just like, people, come on. You know, I, that whole thing I talked about with, with Tiger Stadium and the energy and the cohesiveness, that being it's not that way anymore. There's just so much um, friction and tension with opposing team members. Things you can't control, you get upset. upset And why? You know, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a a diversion from, you know, the the rigors of your life, you know, the stressors of your life. It's supposed to be fun. And when people forget that, they ruin the the moment for everybody. I can see why you say, you know, the best place to watch a professional football game is at home. Well, my friend, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, for taking this on and for sharing a little bit of your time with us. Well, we didn't even get to talk about some items I had on my list. Well, what do you have? Let's let's well, hear them. What do you face, got? Face slapping has to be addressed at some point, you know, as a sport. <laughs> okay. And then I, I came across an article. Do you realize on June 8th, the first championship of its nature on June 8th of 2023, in Sweden, 
the first championship ever for sex was held. I'm not making this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. So now they're looking at turning, and that's a whole other thing. What constitutes a sport and what doesn't constitute a sport? You know, I have some strong opinions about certain activities that people classify as a sport that shouldn't be even considered a sport. I think okay. uh, Wojo used to say, if you can't break a or if you can't pull a hamstring, it's not really a sport. Okay. So poker, not a sport. Not a sport. No. Darts. It's a game. <laughs> okay. Jarts, you said? Do you no, remember no, darts. Jarts? Darts. Oh, darts. Darts. I think jarts is more of a sport because you have to run away from getting impaled. Well, they've they've changed the lawn jart now. It doesn't have the spike anymore. It's got the little rounded cup at the bottom. So I miss um, those days. Yes. Um, so bowling, sport or not a sport? Uh, you can pull a hamstring bowling. I have. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's a sport. Okay. Um, golf? No. Really? No. Golf is golf is, in my opinion, not a sport. It is an activity to get out of the house. Hey, um, can you pull a hamstring playing golf? Uh, listen, they have carts on the golf cart on the golf course that feed you liquor if you want. Uh, and you know, if the players are going to get inebriated, is that a sport? I don't know. I think the same, the same could be same for said for bowling. Well, that's true, that's very, very true. But you can put the rails up, I guess you could move up to the, the, the you could move up into the, the the shorter tees markings, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Um, what else do we have? A curling. How do you feel about curling? I, I, I feel nothing. Okay. There's a vacuum. You say the word curling, I, I drool starts to come out of my mouth. I just well, it's it's mind numbing that this this Canadian, isn't it Canadian? Canadian yeah. sport. Well, I think it which, started in Scotland, actually, but go ahead. Oh, did it? Yes, another cold place. Uh, this idea of, of, of throwing a stone down ice to get it close. It's like, you know, the Italians got bocce balls, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of very similar concept. But we, it, it, the Italians don't get broomed out and try to cause some icy friction uh, or some friction to create some ice. Uh, for their their stone to get down to the uh, to the to the mark. So okay. I, I don't see it as a sport. Okay. Well, Even though they look really athletic when they do the release, they get that really elongated kind of stretch and release the stone, and everybody's barking. And the sweepers come in, and it's oh. boy. Sounds I just like gotta... you've you, you've watched quite a bit of this, Tony. You'd see well, the Olympics are what the the Olympics are the Olympics. Hey, remember when the Olympics were called the Olympic Games? Yes. That's okay. the other thing. Our sports games or game sport. sports. Wow. We may have to have you back for a deep conversation on this. Well, that or just a conversation. I don't know how deep it gets. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you started off, you talked about being a product of the 1970s. And you, yes. you, you, you noted Frisbee. So... Is disc golf a sport? Is ultimate frisbee a sport? Yes. Okay. I think frisbee is not easy, and, and to to throw a frisbee accurately and to hit 
I've never played this now. I know people do. I've seen people in Royal Oak Park. I forgot the name of the park. Uh, playing it, and you know, it, it's it's it seems there's not a lot of running, but there is a lot of precision, and there's a lot of uh, you know uh, a thought that's put into the process. Uh, and there's no beer, you know, a beverage cart running around. So I give it more credence than I do golf. So with disc golf, that's what you're talking about. Have you ever yeah. seen all? Have you ever seen Ultimate Frisbee? No. What is that? It's, um, I guess, equated to something similar or akin to football or soccer, um, either either American football or European football. But you're with a frisbee and you're trying to get the frisbee from one end of the field down to the other end of the field to score points. Well, that that sounds even more more athletic than than disc. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, sounds like you're running to catch a frisbee. You are. Yeah. yeah. That sounds athletic. Okay. How about uh, angling, fishing? Where, where do you stand on that? Is that a sport? No. Absolutely not. It's not a sport. It's a hobby. And it's one where you can actually, instead of having a, a basket at the end of the project, you could have a bass that you can eat. Or release you know i advocate releasing because you're not sure about fresh water anymore but uh yeah that's not that's not a sport uh you know i mean it's it's like hunting is not a sport either it's it's what sport if you want to make hunting a sport you got to go into woods with a spear no guns nothing and you take that animal on that that buck with a rack that would be a sport you know where you're trying to impale this buck and he's fighting back and you may not come out of it okay that's a sport wow i am so happy we stumbled upon this topic tony this is fantastic <laughs> um were there any other items in your notes that we didn't get to that i should be asking about no but you better do some research on the sex championship that began on june 8th in sweden first I ever first ever I will certainly get it into the show notes. And, and sure much there. like American Idol, it has audience voting. Okay. Just saying. Can't make this stuff up. No, no, you really can't. Okay. It's a lot like, uh, think about watermelon seed spinning. Is that a sport? Probably not. My definition is not. But somebody might think it's a sport. I'm pretty good at that. Is that, is that a sport? I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, it's 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 about the Fourth of July. How about the, the hot dog eating con? I was just going to go there. I mean, yeah. I mean, competitive food eating is that a sport? Is is I don't know. I mean, you know, to me, it just seems like you're awfully hungry. Oh well, thank you again, my friend. This has been a lot of fun. All right, talk to you later. Conversations with Sports Fans is a production of The Sports Fan Project. Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen. 